Father in heaven, we stand before you. Needing you again, Lord, needing your help. So pray, oh God, that your spirit will come. Nothing done without prayer, nothing done without your spirit, Lord, of any avail. Please, oh God, pour your spirit upon broken vessels, Lord. Pour your spirit upon men and women seated in this church today. Oh God, please come, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I had the privilege of doing a funeral on um, Friday. And um, at this funeral, the guy um, who died had um, Frank Sinatra's song, as you know, doing it my way. I uh, did it my way. And um, all through his life, um, he did it exactly the way he wanted until he got cancer. He's only 59 years old and he got cancer. But a friend went to see him. And when he went, the friend went to see him, he said to his friend, even though he lived a life of violence throughout his whole life, he said to his friend, can you pray for me? And his friend began to talk to him about the Lord and talk to him about salvation. And six days before he died, he asked the Lord Jesus Christ to come into his life to be his Lord and Savior. He said a sinner's prayer. Six days before he died. All through his life, he did it his own way. But at the last moment, he did it God's way. Isn't that amazing and wonderful? Well, we come to our message this morning. And here we see a man called Asa. And we're going to look at him in for the next two weeks, God willing. Here he is. And the first thing I want to say um, about him is the right actions. Now there's a verse that appears here that we need to spend some time on because it doesn't come very often about these kings. Here's this king Asa and it says this, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. We don't hear that very often in the Old Testament. Asa did what was good and he did what was right in the eyes of God. So many kings do the entirely the opposite. But this guy, Asa, when he became a king, the Bible said he did what was good. He did what was right. What did he do? Well, here we have it. There were even male shrine prostitutes in the land the people engage in all the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before Israel. You need to understand that when he came to power, there were great wicked things happening in Jerusalem. Great, wicked, detestable things taking place. I mean, we read that there were male shrine prostitutes. What was that? That was men who were giving themselves over to a sexual relationship so other men can come in and worship God by having sex with these men. File. Practice that the pagans were doing. But now we find the people in Jerusalem were doing those things as well. And not only that, we read in history 
that they even took their children, the babies that they were born, and sacrificed them in the fire towards these gods. These things were terrible. They were very, very dark. We only can touch on them slightly, but I'm going to tell you, believe me, there were very, very dark days in Jerusalem. So much so that we read these words. Judah did evil in the eyes of the Lord. By the sins they committed, they stirred up his jealous anger more than those who were before them had done. That's how bad it was. They did so much wickedness. Even the people who went before them did not do as much terrible things as these people were doing. And God's righteous anger, his jealous anger, was stirred up. You would turn around and say, I thought jealousy was a bad thing. Well, it is in man, mainly. But I tell you now, if your wife or your husband went off with someone else, you will be jealous for them. Why? Because they belong to you. And I want to tell you this morning, God's people belong to him. And when his people went out after these horrible other gods, his anger was stirred up. But then we read these wonderful words. Asa turned up. Asa came on the stage as a king. Asa arrived. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. And we read what he did. The Bible says he removed the foreign altars from the high places, smashed down the stones, the sacred stones, and cut down the asterisk poles. What he did was this. He removed idols from Israel. He went around and saying, that can't stay, that must go. That idol must be taken down. That pole must be cut down and removed. He went around Judah and Israel and he removed the idols that people were using to worship God. You know, if you want to be an Asa this morning, you want to be like this man and do what is good and right, then you need to begin to go into your life And begin to remove any idols. What is an idol? Back then, an idol was a stone or or, or statue. But what it did was that it took from God the worship that was due to God. It took that worship and it took it to itself. That's what an idol did. What it was, whether it was a statue or a, a stone... Whatever it was, it took what was God's and it took it for itself. That is what an idol is. And I want to tell you this morning, if you want to be an Asa, you need to go through your life. Look into your heart and say to God, God, do I have idols in my life? God is something else bigger than you. And you know what? People tend to turn around and say, well, you know, I worked hard for my house. I worked hard for my car. 
I work hard for my business. These things have to come first. But I want to tell you, God has given you the strength to work hard. For if that breath was taken away from you this morning, all your material possessions will be of no value. But then you say, oh, but God, my children, you know, they are so important to me. I gave birth to them and I love them and, I, and, 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 and they are my kids and, and they must come first. But I want to tell you, God creates a child himself in your womb. You didn't create a child, whether you're a man or a woman. You didn't do it because God himself, the Bible says that he knitted the bones together. Every child is a gift from where? From yourself? No. Every child is a gift from God. We need to go through our life and say, God, is there anything in my life that's number one? Because if it is, then Lord, I know that you're the one who gave me everything, even my, my home and my car and my finances, my health and my children. Lord, I draw it all down from you. You have given it to me. Lord, I want to make sure I place it all in your hands and say thank you. You know, I've heard people been asked to come to church and they often say things like this, you know, if I'm not doing anything else, I come. And that's our generation, isn't it? If I'm not doing anything else, I'll come. If I finish watching the sports, then I'll read my Bible. If I finish, you know, doing the, the work at home, then I'll pray. But everything else seems to come before the Lord in our day. We need a revolution. We need a revival in the church where God takes his right place again in the house of God. We need that. And Asa was a man who turned around and said, ah, oh, these idols, they have to go. These idols must be removed. And that is exactly what he did. But not only that, we read he did something else as well. What else did he do? The Bible says this. He expelled the male shrine prostitutes from the land and got rid of all the idols his ancestors had made. He expelled the male prostitutes. That's it. You're out of here. You're done. Get out of the temple of God. Get out of the land of Judah. You are no longer working in this area. Your services are no longer required. Your male prostitution is over. It's done. He got rid of it. Cleared it all out. And I want to say this morning, you know, God himself, when he comes and becomes king, he wants to clear out sexual acts that are wrong. Now, I don't know what your view is. I don't know what your view is on pedophilia. I don't know what your view is on homosexuality. I don't know what your view is on, 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 on all this crazy sex stuff going on in our world. But any sex outside of a marriage, any sex, 
whether it's with a man or a woman who's not his wife or a man or a woman who's, who's, who's just dating, any sex outside of marriage, according to the word of God, is wrong. In fact, we would like to turn around and bash the homosexuals and say, they are all wicked and evil, but I want to tell you, any sex outside of God's protection of a loving husband and a loving wife wrong. Why? Because God knows that men and women will take sex and use it so wrongly. And we have in our day and age pornography and other filthy stuff. Do you know a child as young as eight years old by that age is beginning to view pornography? Our society has taken the beautiful thing of sex and twisted it and destroyed it and caused it to be something which people abuse. Asa comes and he said, I'm going to do what is right. I'm going to do what is good before God. I'm going to get rid of the shrine male prostitutes. I'm going to make sure sex and marriage and relationships are held up in a right place. That's what he said. And I want to tell you this morning, if you want to be an acer of your day, then you need to do what is right before God. But let's move on. Because when you do what is right before God, other people begin to see that you are different. They begin to see that you've got integrity. They begin to see that you've got purity about your life. They begin to see that God is with you. And so we hear that with Asa. Look what he says. Then he assembled all Judah and Benjamin and the people from Ephraim, Manasseh and Simeon who had settled among them. For large numbers had come over to him from Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. When they saw that, they came over. Now I know that this message must be unpopular for me to preach. Jerry, preach a nice message. Preach that we can have sex with anyone we want. Preach that, you know, a marriage don't have to be a marriage. You know, you can have others involved in it. Jerry, preach a a, a message that our society would accept. But look at our society. Do we want to be like them? Look at them. Confused. Don't know whether they're born a boy or a girl. Don't know whether they want to grow up and be a man or a woman. Look at the confusion in our society. And I tell you why there is confusion. Because we wandered away from the word of God. That is why there's called confusion. And it will continue to be so. It's in our media. It's in our films. It's in our sweets. You go around the shops and they're telling you that to be deviant, sexual, have a sexual preference outside of the word of God is normal. But I want to tell you that our world and our society is not doing good. You don't need me to preach that to you. You know it's not doing good. But Asa steps out, becomes king. And he says, I'm going to do 
what is right in the eyes of God. Okay, that's what he did. Right actions. But there's still raging problems. You see, you think to yourself, well, if I do what is right before God, my life will run smoothly. Not so. I wish that was true, but it's not so. Because even when you do what is right before God, especially in the world that we live in, there still will be problems. And Asa faced that. He done so much for God, and then suddenly he hears this guy, Zerah, the Cushite. Zerah the Cushite marched out against them with an army of thousands upon thousands and 300 chariots, and they came as far as Misha. Here is Zerah. He comes with thousands upon thousands. Now Asa could have turned around and said, what is going on? I'm doing right before God. I'm, 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 I remove the idols. I remove the male prostitutes. I'm doing right. What's going on? Thousands upon thousands are coming against me. I'll tell you what Asa did. He prayed. And we have his prayer here. Very simple prayer. Go look at it together. Look what he says. Then Asa called to the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, there is no one like you to help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, Lord, our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, we have come against this vast army. Lord, you are God. Do not let mere mortals prevail against you. Asa sees these thousands upon thousands What does he do? He prays. And in his prayer he says, Lord, there's none like you. There's none like you. You see, he's removed idols. And the Bible turns around and and he speaks about these idols and he says, look at this. This is, God speak, this is God speaking. And God says this. With whom will you compare me? Or count me equal? To whom you will liken me that we might be compared? Some pour out gold from their bags and weigh out silver on their scales. They hire a goldsmith to make it into a god. And they bow down and worship it. They lift it up to their shoulders and carry it. They set it up in its place, and there it stands. From that spot, it cannot move. Even though someone cries out to it, it cannot answer. It cannot save them from their troubles. That's an idol. God said, listen. And Asa removed this, and God said, listen, this is what an idol is. Somebody pours gold into a mold, and they make it into, fashion it into a shape, and then they place it somewhere And it cannot move. They cry to it. Save us. Save us. But it cannot hear them. Compare me with that, says God. How ridiculous. And God says this. Remember the former things. Those of long ago. I am God. And there is no other. 
I am God, and there is none like me. That's what God says. Come on, bring it on. Who can you compare me to? Bring out your idols. Bring out anything you want. Who can you compare me to? Some people turn around and say, well, I've got my idols. I will, I will, I will use maybe, maybe my house. And I, I will say, my house is my idol. And I will pray to my house. Your house is not going to help you. Oh, my car. I love my car. I clean it every day. Baptize it on a Sunday morning. It's my vehicle. I pray to my car. Your car is not going to help you in times of trouble. Nothing, even our children, rely on us. We turn to them and say, I've got huge problems. I've got psychological problems. I've got brokenness in my life. Children, can you help me? They cannot help you as much as they love you. Who can you compare me to? Only God says, I am the Lord. I have two stories because two stories that I want to share with you about how God himself Hear the cries and say, I can help you. I don't need to go into any history. I've been here for 17 years. There's people within the church that I can give testimony to. I remember me and my brother, Jimmy Rowe, was praying. Jimmy ran a roofing company. He still does. About seven, eight years ago, things were terrible. His back was against the wall, wasn't it, Jim? And we began to pray. He said, I need finances into this company or it's all going to go finish. It's all going to go bankrupt. And we prayed. And then God, by his grace, moved another man. In the middle of the night, this man woke up and said, I have to help Jim, a man who owns a logistic company. And he came with a large amount of money and placed it into Jim's company. God heard a man crying out. Talk to him about it. He will tell you that testimony. God himself delivered. But there's another person that I want to talk to you about. I will never forget her. I'll never forget her name. A member of this church. Some of the Bibles that we got at the back of the church is in her husband's honor. A woman called Daphne Burrell. Daphne Burrell had cancer in the mouth. And that cancer was quite vigorous and she had lots of treatment. And she prayed. And as she prayed, I want to tell you, you would never have met a woman with so much joy and peace in her life. She was a delight to be with. She was a joy to hang around with. She lived in England's Lane there. And before she died up in the hospice out there, she was a woman that gathered her family around her and said, let us pray. Cancer was not delivered from her. She died with it, but she died as a soldier in a battlefield, giving praise and glory to God. I want to tell you this morning, those men and women can cry out to God. Why? Because there's no one like him. You can't cry out to idols. You can't cry out to other gods. No, no, no. God says, I am God. There's no one like me, says the Lord. And he can deliver, and he can rescue, and he can bless any which way he wants. What a God we 
serve. Praise be to God. So he says there's no one like you in his prayer. But then he goes on to turn around and says that you help the powerless against the mighty. We have already seen the size of this army. Asa said thousands upon thousands were coming at him. He was entire, he was helpless. He had an army, but his army compared to the one that was coming to him was huge, totally powerless. And he says to God, God, you help the powerless against the mighty. You know, I think many Christians don't realize that the devil, Satan, is a powerful foe. I don't think we realize that. I don't think we really realize that Satan is against every Christian. In fact, he's against everybody, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian. He doesn't care. He has come to destroy everybody's life. But the Christian himself, sometimes Christians don't realize how powerful Satan is. I mean, look at Job. Satan came against Job and he took his health, took his business, took his family. He came against Job. But listen to the word of God. Even though Satan is powerful, listen to the word of God. It says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Listen to what it says again. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. No, no, no. Not in your power. Your power is useless. You have no power. But guess what? God has all power. So therefore, even though Satan might be strong and a mighty foe, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's not it. That's not finished yet. Put on your armor. No, 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 no. Put on the full armor that belongs to God. Don't worry about Satan because when God himself steps into the field on your behalf, In fact, the Bible clearly tells me these words. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. God who is in you, the Lord Jesus Christ, when you get born again and a new life is created in you, he is far, far more greater than Satan who is in the world. So even though we have an army, guess what? God himself, the Bible says, he helps the powerless against the great army that comes against us. The Bible says that God helps those who are helpless, who have nothing, no strength. Everything is falling around them. They think everything is going wrong. But guess what? When they cry out to God, God himself helps the weak against the strong. Asa knew this. So Asa started praying. He looked at the thousands upon thousands. He looked about his army. There's not many of us. 
but he remembered that with God there's strength and there's power. I want you to know that this morning. With God there is strength and there's power. He prays again. The final part of his prayer, he says, Oh Lord, we rely on you. Oh Lord, we rely on you. You know, when you rely on someone, it means that you have no one else to turn to. When you rely on someone. You know, I, embarrassingly, I have to tell you something, really confess my sins to you. I, I, I locked my keys in the car in Upminster. So I come out and go out of my car and somehow I locked the keys in the car, you know. Women do these things, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I had no one to turn to, but I rang Jill Hawkins. I had to rely on Jill. It was storm. The weather, I don't know if it happened around here, but the rain came down, the floods came up, it was thunder and lightning, and Jill answered the phone and said to me, I'll be there. I'll get Kim, and I'll get you the keys. And I sat there, and I thought, oh, praise God, no one else. I relied upon a four-foot-something little person. She was a giant. She was a giant. And she helped me. I had no one else. And you know what? God is the one that we can rely on. We may have other people around us. Praise God for others. Praise God for husbands and praise God for wives and praise God for children. Praise God for friends. But guess what? It's God that we must rely on. He's the only one. In fact, the Solomon said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. No, no, no. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's what we got to do. Trust in the Lord and rely on him. Even though he's given us so many wonderful things around us, he wants us to rely upon him and on him alone. And so Asa turned around and he said, Oh God, we rely on you. Oh, I've got an army, Lord, here. I've got some chariots, I've got some soldiers. But Lord, they may look strong and brave, but God Almighty, it's you that I rely upon. That was his prayer. And God will show which route to take if you rely upon him. Let me close my final point here this morning. Vigorous prayer. Well, this was the prayer. It wasn't a long, wordy prayer. It was direct. It was a cry from his heart. Oh God, there's none like you. Help the weak. We rely upon you. That was his prayer. It wasn't deep. He didn't stand there for hours and hours. It was recorded as it was, a short prayer, crying out to God. And what happened? We'll read these words. The Lord struck down the Cushites before Asa and Judah. 
and the Cushites fled. Listen to the words carefully. The Lord struck them down. You see, Asa prayed and God acted. Asa got on his knees and said, God help us. And then God moved. I'm beginning to see how important prayer is. You know, I begin to believe that prayer is far more important than preaching. Because when you pray, because when you preach, you speak to men. When I preach, I'm speaking to men. But when I pray, I'm speaking to God. And when you speak to God, God moves and he doesn't need a preacher when you speak to God God moves and he needs no one else to help him he can do it all by himself that's how important prayer is can I tell you a story back in Wales in 1904 1905 beginning of the 20th century There was a man called Evans and he arrived at a small church. And he came to this small church. He was a preacher for that day. And as he comes into this small church, um, he sat down. A woman got up to sing a song. And she began to sing a song. And as she sang, she began to weep and cry in her singing. Evans, the preacher, sat at the front row and he just bowed his head and prayed. Suddenly a woman at the back got up. Apparently she was an arrogant woman, a proud woman. Caused a lot of trouble in the church. But she got up and she began to pray, confessing her sin before God. And she confessed with tears and crying that she has been a sinner, an arrogant, proud woman. And she began to pray. Then suddenly other people began to pray. And the meeting that started at 8 o'clock was still going on at 12 o'clock. And then suddenly people in the villages and in the houses saw the lights on in the church and they came to see what was happening. And as they came closer and closer and came into the building, suddenly they broke down into prayer themselves. Nobody was preaching. Nobody was giving any testimonies. There was no organ music being played. But all of a sudden, people were coming out from the woodwork in a whole village. And they began to pray and to weep before God. That happened in 1904. It's called a Welsh revival. Tap it in to Google search and you'll see the story out there. Now it's Whit Sunday today. I don't know if you know this, but it's Pentecost Sunday today. And a group of men in the book of Acts went up into the upper room. And as they went into that room, they prayed and prayed. And when they began to pray, the Holy Spirit of God came upon them. In fact, it happened again in Acts 4. Look what it says. After they prayed... The place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. I want to tell you this morning, prayer is far more important than anything else you can do. 
Prayer is far more important than preaching, far more important than witnessing, far more important than helping people out. Prayer is talking to God about men. And when you begin to pray, guess what? God begins to move. And that's exactly what happened with Asa. It's king. He came to God and says, God, I have an army, but Lord, this army is no good. I need you, oh God, and if you can hear me, if you can come to our aid, if you can come and help us, oh God, there's all we need. And God moved with power. I want to revive your heart for prayer again. Not just praying in a prayer meeting, and we can come to a prayer meeting. No, 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 no. I'm more concerned that you'll go into your house this morning, this afternoon. That you'll go into your bedroom or into your front room or, or somewhere else or sit in your garden in the sunshine and you say, I'm going to spend some time crying out to God in prayer. Why? Because when I pray, God hears me. God hears a man. God hears a woman. Even though this man is a sinful man, this woman hasn't got her act together, even though they're weak and feeble, God hears them when they cry to him. And when God hears you, then you know that he's with you. He will strengthen you. He will help the powerless and the helpless against the mighty. When the storms of life comes, when the rain falls down upon your life, and there's pain and sadness in your life, and the enemy is coming against you, God is able to re- make sure that you are stronger than what you ever could be. And I want to tell you this morning, that's been my experience. That's been Kim's experience. We're here not because we're better Christians. No, 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 no. We're here because we are seeking God, who is God alone, who gives strength. And I will ask you, my dear friends, May this church become a church that cries out to God. I remember Jesus coming into the temple. And I will close with this. He comes into the temple. Everything was in order. There was all the worshipping things going on. All the right sort of worship. There was animals ready to be sacrificed. There was people in the area, everything was hunky-dory. Everything was nice. Jesus comes in. And he turns the whole thing upside down. Tables were thrown. Money changers were on the floor picking up their money, their coins. Birds and animals were driven out of the temple. He didn't allow anyone to walk through. Why? He said this, my house will be called a house of prayer. That's what he said. And I believe the Lord wants to do the same thing in this church. Throw out all the religion. Throw it all out. We don't want religion in this house. No. We want praying men and women who would say, oh God, We rely on you.
in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I come to you, O oh God. And I thank you for this man, Asa. Many of us have never heard his name before, Lord. But what a wonderful man. And we pray, oh God, that as he did what is right, as he did what is good, I pray, oh God, that we too might want to do the same thing. Father, we do struggle with our sin, Lord. There are things in our lives that we are not happy about. Father, you know that there's areas in our lives that we need to put right, Lord, and you know that we, we struggle in these areas. But, oh God, I thank you that you don't wait for us to be perfect. You work with us now. You move in our hearts now. Even while we're still struggling, even while we're still in sin, you're moving in our hearts now, oh God. And my prayer is, oh Father, that you will turn this church around. You will make it into a place where you will say it's a house of prayer. Men and women are not only praying in this house, they're praying in their own houses. Oh God Almighty, change us, we pray. For we live in a day when there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands against the gospel. Thousands who hate your name, oh God. And we're only a small company of people. We don't pray that you will strike them down. No, no, no. We pray that you will love them and show them your kindness. Oh God. Oh God. Be merciful. To us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.